Blog Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Good evening, everybody. This is Becky. I'm with Winchester Radio. Uh, Vinny, my co-host, is here tonight with us. Um, Susan is not with us tonight. She's off in Chicago at the Creation Supernatural Convention. Uh, We have a special guest tonight. We've got Travis Aaron Wade. He plays the mysterious Cole on Supernatural. We're very happy to have him tonight. Um, As usual, whenever we have a special guest, we're not accepting call-ins. But uh, we'd love it if you uh, have questions for Travis. Just tweet us the questions, and we will try to get them asked for you, okay? So welcome, Travis. Welcome to Winchester Radio. Welcome, ladies. How are you? We're good. We're good. Happy to have you on tonight. Thank you very much. Can I say, is my connection good? Can you hear me yes, now? Yes, sound mm-hmm. great. Okay, great. Great. Excellent. I'm actually on my headphones, um, and I just want to make sure there's no echo, and then I'm all cleared, but because uh, I'm going to try to tweet or see tweets as, as we do this. I'm going to try. Cool. Sounds good. Okay, well, let's let's get this started. Uh, my first question to you is, how did you get the role of Cole? The role of Cole came through an audition that I, I I had that my agent and manager submitted me on, uh UDK casting. Uh they uh they reached out and called me in and, and you know, we went in and Robert Ulrich had uh been seeing me for a long time. You know, he saw me for the O C with Benjamin McKenzie back in the day, which which Ben got and he's always kind of been a big supporter of mine and, and I've been a big supporter big supporter of him and he brought me in for a casting and a reading and they said this could be a really good part on a on a on a on a very, very, very good show. And um I was excited. I, I really liked the breakdown. The the character was described as, you know, Jeremy Renner meets Jason Bourne, uh meets Matt Damon, US military and it, it just kinda fit because everywhere I go in Hollywood everyone's like, You know who you remind me of? That, that actor Jeremy Renner and I'm like, Well yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. I'm glad I remind you of the guy who beats me out for every single role I've ever gone out for. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean, you know, Jeremy put in um Jeremy put in about ten more years in acting before I did, so he, his career is well earned and he's very talented, but you know, the Hurt Locker and, and a few other roles uh, went his way and then he just had a booming career. So when this kinda came around, they said they were looking for a Jeremy Renner type. I was pretty secure that Jeremy wasn't gonna be the guy who stole this one from me. So I was kind of happy that it went my way this time. <laughs> we are too. We, we we really like you on the show. You've been doing a great job. Thank you. It's been fun. I mean, it's it's a great set. It's a great group of people. I, you know, I'll probably say this a dozen times. I've I've been working in the entertainment business for 14 years, and um, you know, you go on a lot of sets. I've done a lot of guest stars, and I've been able to you know meet so many different wonderful people through this process, but, you know, you're talking about a group of guys that have been together for 10 years, you know, production, crew, um, the boys who, you know, have absolutely, you know, no ego, as, as all the listeners know, and as you guys have gotten to know these guys, they're they're really, really kind, caring human beings, and to, to see people that have that much success in the business kind of keep their feet planted and, and are humble and gracious and very easy to work with, it, it's, it's, been a, it's been incredible. Like, it's just been one of those real... Uh, blessed jobs that you you just kind of sometimes look up and say, "Wow, you know, how did how did I get so lucky?" 
So it's been it's been magical, and the guys are great. And Bob Singer, he's fantastic. You know, he's been great to work with, and um, the, the production team itself, like just the crew, they just move at such a rapid pace that if you're not prepared, um, man, you're gonna it's gonna show because these guys move so quick and uh, they're so fast, and you know they just they've done a, fa- a fantastic job. A really, really, really good job with, uh, with putting together a fantastic show. As you can tell, I'm at an audition, so there's people running around talking about football scores. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you when you auditioned, did you know that it was going to be for a reoccurring role? You know, no. I you know, I a lot of times where I'm at in my career now, and especially over the past year, I've, I've done five films this year, and so it's it's gotten a little busy, and I've been running around and. I think I've been to a dozen cities around the United States and, and Canada. And so a lot of times when things come in, I only have a second to look down and, and read a character description and, and get my lines down. And if there's a script attached, which this one doesn't have a script attached because, you know, it's so secretive what the storyline is. So I just had a handful of lines to, to go in and read. And it was the monologue um, that, you know, when I when I kidnapped Jared and I'm walking around talking to him about the military and my history and why I'm after his brother that was the audition piece. So I just had to kind of somehow relate that to my own life. And, um, you know, I, I read it and I, I connected with it and went down and read for the producers and they were really warm and welcoming. And, um, it's fun. It's, it's fun. I have a funny story about that. I, I, I worked with an actor, um, a mutual friend at the time who, you know, he's, he's like a Daniel day Lewis. He's just, you know, he'll get an audition and he'll spend like 24 seven working on it, almost kills himself on it. And, you know, I'm at a, place now in my career where so many things come in that I, I have to focus on it when it happens and I go in and I do my best and I move on and you know this young actor he just he's just obsessive about it so you know we have very different styles of acting and he actually gave me his jacket to borrow because I was trying to figure out what this character Cole would wear and he gives me his G-Star jacket and I put it on and the minute I put on this jacket I was like oh man this is the guy this is the guy this is who this guy is military boots this, you know badass G-Star jacket, and he's like, dude, it's more than just the clothing, it's this, you know, you got to get into the skin of the character, and I'm like, ah, dude, it's the jacket. So, <laughs> long story short, <laughs> when I got the role, um, I got up to Wardrobe and, and you know, got to got to meet some wonderful ladies there at Wardrobe, and the first thing they said to me when I got to Wardrobe, my, my first day on set, they go, that jacket that you wore in the audition, the producers loved it. <laughs> and I was like, Really, it was the jacket, right? It was the jacket that got me the role. So I immediately contacted <laughs> G-Star and said, I need to wear your guys' clothes for all my auditions because I think your jacket single-handedly booked me this job. And <laughs> it's, just, it's just a funny thing. Sometimes it comes down to just the shoes you wear, the jacket you wear, however you walk into a room. You never know what they're looking for. It was the jacket. The jacket. And I ended up wearing a G-Star. But they actually, you know, G-Star actually clothed me for 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 wardrobe my pants are are them my my top is them so it was weird like that was the outfit i wore and essentially that's what they put me in for um for the part and that's that's totally up to wardrobe that's totally up to the director it's it's not usually up to us uh as artists but um yeah i I ended up calling up g-star and say hey guys they they have me in in your guys's outfit wearing it for this show and they said well come on down we'll we'll give you some stuff for free to wear and i'm like yes because i was i was down to my last I was down to my last pair of jeans with holes in it, and you know, I was I was hoping to get something free. 
<laughs> and I, ha- I have to, I have to admit that the the outfit really does. It works with the character really, really well. I almost can't imagine him wearing anything in a different style. So good call. Yeah, right, right. I mean, it's I'm living in it now. I'm I'm walking around now in the same. I don't get out of the outfit like you know, my friends and <laughs> and my the girls that I I meet in my life are like, are you ever gonna change? Are you gonna get out of that outfit? I'm like, no. <laughs> you can claim you can claim method. I'm just very method. Yeah, it's just very. I'm just staying in the role until we figure out what's going on with this guy. Um, did you know any? Like, were you familiar with the show at all? Like its existence, even. So, I kind of tweeted this. Uh, actually, I put it on Facebook out to the BOTWs and the T Waitsters. I have just a wonderful group of fans that gathered around and took an interest in me, not just on Supernatural, just, just in my personal life. And um, it has just been great because there's just so much, you know, more out there um, to do with your success when, when it happens for you. And it really helps that you can gather the people that want to make a difference and help. And so, um, you know, I, I put this out there on, on one of the one of the fan groups that, you know, when I when I work in this business, I, I try to really watch what, what I watch. I try to be careful what I watch um, mm. because... You know, a good example was I was a huge fan of 24, and I watched it religiously. And when I went to go audition for it, I, it's very difficult to separate yourself uh, and sink into something that you're a fan of. And I think sometimes, you know, people forget that we're fans too. You know, we're we're big fans of other people's work and other shows and and stuff. So Supernatural, I auditioned for the pilot uh, with Jensen. Uh, God, you know, 11 years ago. And Jensen had just gotten to town from, from Texas. He's a Texas boy. Two managers were, were looking at representing both of us, and, you know, they ended up um, choosing Jensen to represent, which is kind of like a long history that me and Jensen have. He, you know, got chosen by these two managers, and they submitted him for Supernatural, and, you know, he ended up getting it. And, it, you know, I, I don't know how far I got with the process, but I, I do know that I was up for that, that role 11 years ago to play that character. And so, you know, to finally get to work with him and work opposite with him, fight with him, you know, and basically take out all my frustrations of him having <laughs> an amazing job over the past 10 years. There's some really interesting stuff going on. I was like, yeah, you know, Cole was like, damn you, Dean, you know, damn you. And but Travis was actually like, damn you, Jensen. Damn you for taking <laughs> role for me. But, you know, he's done a wonderful job with it and he's, he's just, he's just done a fantastic job with his career and, and what he's done with the character and the, both the boys. They just, they just really kind of, I would say be the shining example of how to be a lead actor on a film or a, or a TV show. Like that's, that's how you should behave. That's how you should react with your other actors. That's how you should, you know, handle your celebrity or your success and the money and all that stuff. They've done, they've done very, very well. They're, they're good guys to look up to. I, um, with Cole and Dean, I see a lot of similarities. Um, Cole is avenging his father's death, which is basically, mm. you know, Sam and Dean did most of their life, you know, trying to avenge their mother. Um, Cole is basically like a hunter. He's got, you know, all the weapons. Um, he, he's very much like a Winchester. Um, do you, you know, you know, do you kind of see this too? And do you think Cole could become a hunter? You know, it- they're, Warner Brothers and, and CW are very very careful with what you know. They, I don't really know anything. You know, I, I everyone thinks I know things. I don't. Um, I I know when I'm supposed to go 
you know, back. And I go if I, I don't know if I am going back. I, I don't know what they have planned for this. When you talk about similarities, um, you know, I was remember I was up there getting my hair done uh, on one of the shows, and I was like, you know what? I I think this guy would kind of have the same haircut as is uh is being because when you when you are so adamant about being chasing someone down or being someone kind of like a very single white female you know when you when you look at someone who you're obsessed with for whatever reason you almost start to behave and act like them so after the second episode together i i was just like you know i i want to i want to take on these similarities that dean i, I want to study him like you would study your prey and, and essentially have to become the prey in order to uh to catch it, to kill it. And so there was a lot of things I thought about artistically as far as those similarities. Um, but, it, you know, I, I, you know, from the way he's written, we know he has a wife, we know he has a kid, and, and we, you know, what episode are we on now? Four? Are we, are we going on to five? Um, going into four. four. So the air is four. Okay, so, yeah, so, um, you know, there's, you, you know, Cole's a little bit of his background, but, you know, where we last left him, um, was he's he's got to go figure out what what the hell just are we allowed to swear on this is this is this uncensored yeah go ahead no yeah you can go ahead so um you know he's got to figure out who this thing is that kicked his ass obviously he's discovered you know there's something about him you know his face healed immediately his eyes were were black uh and he obviously knows this thing is not from this planet or nothing he's ever seen before so i think this is a big revelation for cole that Oh, you're part of this this whole other world that he didn't know exists. So there's a big reveal there, and so he's got to accept one that there's this outside supernatural world that you know that that has happened. But the, I think the other side to him is, well, you know, the son of a bitch didn't kill me, his his mistake. So I need to learn everything I need to learn to come back and and finish him off, you know, because um, he's just evil to me. You know, he's just obviously now he's just evil. I don't I don't know the dean that you guys know. I don't know this. This wonderful person who, uh, you know, I don't know what he's doing. I've studied him, but I, I don't know, you know, his history like the show does. So to me, he's a big mystery, and to me, he's just an evil person that killed my father, and, and most likely maybe his brother had something to do with it. Um, but, you know, that that's the mystery, right? We, you know, we got to figure out we know that he killed my dad, and we got to figure out uh, why. Why did he? Why did he do that? So that that's kind of where it's left. And more anything more than that, I don't know. You know, I don't. I can come up with what I think it is in my head. Like, and I have an idea who Cole is, and I have an idea of where his character goes. But that's not up to me. It's up to the writers. And until I actually see a script that tells me what's going on, I'm I'm in the black just as much as you guys are. Or interested um, though. Yeah, very interested. And like, there's a theory going around. Like, my personal theory is, you know, don't. I know you don't know, so I'll just I'm just going to tell you my theory is that sure. Dean did actually kill your dad, um, Cole's dad, that he killed the monster that killed Dean's dad, that killed Cole's dad. And yeah, that's the we talked about last yeah. week. Yeah. I, I agree. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what we're thinking. But we have no idea, of course, you know. And you, so if you know don't different, either. don't tell us yet. <laughs> don't tell us. Don't spoil us. Don't spoil us. <laughs> no, I, I, will, I will keep you guys in mystery because, I'm in mystery because I have no clue. Uh, I, I really don't. That we, okay. don't, we, don't get, we don't get scripts. Like, I won't get a script. And when I do get a script, it'll be the day that I land in Vancouver. And the day I get to Vancouver, they will literally send it to me. It'll have my name on it. I've got to guard it with my life because I can't lose it. And I'll read it. And then I'll be like, oh, so that's what happens to him. 
now. And so it's hard. Like, I can't really form any ideas. And, like, we're going back to that original question you asked. Had, did I watch the show before? No, I, I hadn't because before on the audition that it maybe one day I'd be on the show. So I didn't really want to become a fan of the show. That's happened with, like, Sons of Anarchy. That's, ha- that's happened with many different shows that I've been close to. When you get close to stuff, you think, well, now the producers know you. Now the director knows you. Now these people know you. So they're going to call you back for other roles, maybe another, re- maybe a reoccurring. So I don't want to watch the show and become a fan. So I never watch Supernatural, not because I'm bitter or angry I didn't get the role, just because, hey, if I get the part, I kind of want to sink into the world as that character. I want to I want to get into that world and be unfamiliar with it. And the same thing goes with my character for Cole. Like, if I would become a fan of Supernatural, it would have been very odd for me to get on set. I would have been almost like a fan on set. And I would have been kind of giddy and laughing and been like, oh, my God, this is incredible. And, and, you're, and you can't really become the character. And it's harder. It's more difficult. So, like, same thing goes with any other show I've been up for that I think I have a shot at. I, I retreat. I, I don't watch it, even if people tell me it's amazing. Same thing happened with Boardwalk Empire. You know, same thing happened with Sons of Anarchy. I said that again. Like, that one was hard because I, I came down to me and uh, uh, Charlie Hunnam for the role of Jack, and it's such a huge oh, role. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, and so to see that and see where Charlie's career is at and to see what he's done with the character is just amazing. But it's very hard not to sit back and say, oh, man. You know, I could be getting paid a lot of money to ride Harleys and be a badass. Um, you know, it's, it's just it's, sometimes it's difficult. But you also think, like, wow, I'm going to be on the show. So however they bring me into the show, that's how I want to – I want it to be new and fresh. And that's how Cole was. That's how Cole was for me. Like, I got in there, and I don't know this world exists. I don't know who Misha is. I don't know who uh, any of the characters are. I don't know any of the world. And then Cole doesn't know any of that world. So it, it's believable. You know, what, what you're seeing through my eyes is what I'm seeing in reality. Like, and, and that's just easier to believe as an artist. You know, it's easier on me as an artist. Um, I wanted to ask you about the scene where you were torturing fans. Um, what, you know, since Jared is actually has an injured shoulder, was it hard, you know, during that scene and, you know, trying to not, you know, injure him more? You know what? It, it really was because I had rotator cuff surgery in 2010. I, I was hit in a vehicle and, and, and really messed up my shoulder, and I had the same surgery um, that Jared had. And so I'm very well aware of how painful it is. And, and you know, Jared lost a lot of weight because you can't exercise, and it's really painful. And, and the medication to take away the pain is awful for you. You know, I mean, I'm not a big fan of pharmaceuticals. I'm, I'm really not a fan of, of pills and, and taking medicines, but sometimes, like, you have to for for when you're in pain or going through a surgery. And so Jared, not only was he, you know, going through a very difficult surgery and recovery process, but he was, you know, he's also having to take pain medications and trying to act through that and, and be present. And he he was fantastic. I mean, he really was amazing. He's such a, he's such a professional, like, you know, not many people can go through that surgery and go to work. You know, most people take months off, you know, but in our profession, we can't, we can't take time off. You know, we, we got to be there. And so, it was hard, you know, because you're sensitive and, and, and you want to be careful with the left shoulder. Okay, it's the one with the swing, but, you know, my character wouldn't really care that his arms hurt, right? So there's a part where I grab his arm and I squeeze it. Like, we really had to do that. We really had to, we really had to be gentle and soft, but at the same time look like I'm, I'm hurting him. And so, it, it, you know, these are things that you don't learn in acting class. These are things they don't teach you, you know, as an actor. You kind of learn on the day, like, oh, your lead actor who's the major star of this film has a messed up shoulder and don't hurt it anymore, but yet look like you're hurting him, you know? And so that was a challenge. Um, 
the other challenge that we had, which was really, really difficult on, on me personally, and, and I'm sure everybody in the film business, was we lost Robin Williams that day that we filmed that. That was the oh. day that, that day that came in. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with a really heavy emotional scene that has to do with military and my experiences and the Congo and Darfur and, and um, all this other stuff, I you know, you kind of have to sink into. And then all of a sudden we got the call that... Um, Robin, Robin had passed, and, and Robin's daughter Zelda has been a, a dear friend of mine for for many many years, and she's someone I highly value as a as a person in this world. She's one of the most intellectual and, and sweet and charming and caring people in this business, and and so my heart just sank when she lost her dad, and then my heart just sank because I lost someone that made me laugh my entire life. Like, so you know, I, it's weird. Sometimes a celebrity passes away and it, it affects us differently, but that one really hit me hard. I couldn't remember my line. I couldn't think. I, you know, the emotional stuff was hard for me because it was a mixture between, you know, emotional stuff for Robin and then emotional stuff as a Marine, and the two things are completely different. So um, that was a tough day. That was a really, really hard day all around. You know, Jared got injured shoulder. Robin Williams passed away. I've got three pages of dialogue. <laughs> it was, it was a challenge. It really, and it was, it, it, you know, when we watched it, when we went and saw it, and we had all my family and friends around watching it. To see it actually on screen for the first time, it was it brought back all those emotions. It's, it's a heavy scene for me. I, I probably won't watch it too many times because it brings back a brings back a bad memory, you know. Well, it was really good though. Like the you really could feel emotion in the scene, and yeah, a lot of a lot of intensity that came off very genuine. It, none of it felt forced or anything. So. It was a really good scene, the circumstance, unfortunately, but you handled it very well. Like, you know, life imitates art. And, you know, as artists, our job is to, to take whatever happens in our own personal life and experiences and, and channel it to, to put out something that, that touches people. And so that was a very special day for me because Robin had actually filmed in that town stage. He'd worked with most everyone on the crew. Everybody had a Robin Williams story. And, um, you know, to be there being a working actor, performing a role, and and doing what Robin did for so many years, uh, it, you know, one point something percent of actors work. It, it's a very challenging profession. And so if you get blessed enough to get paid for a job and to do something that people are going to see, um, it's, it's near a miracle. And so to be there on set in a place where Robin probably made a handful of movies, it, it just felt like I, it was just overwhelming. And so, you know, what you probably saw a lot and felt through the TV or however you watch the show is, is, you know, just tons of emotions that, uh, you know, that I was going through. And, and Jared, which was beautiful, he was right there with me through the whole entire process. And um, he was great. You know, he put my hand on my shoulder. He was like, are you okay? And I said, I'm good. And it was just mad. It was just a very sad, but it was also a magical day. It was like, wow, I'm, I'm doing what Robin Williams did. You know, I'm getting to do what Robin Williams did exactly where Robin Williams used to do it. And, um, that's great. It, it, was, it was something I'll never forget. And um, just have to ask you about the huge fight scene with Dean. That's probably <laughs> out of all the ten. You know, this is going into their tenth season. That is probably one of the best fight scenes that's ever been on the show. Uh, we heard it took a long time to film that scene that day. Can you tell us about filming that that fight scene? How did you and Jensen? You know, did you practice a lot? Um, how, oh, how it all went into that fight scene. Tweeted this yet, and and I feel horrible because I even asked my buddy. Uh, his name is Dan Pelchat, 
and it's P-E-L-C-H-A-T. Dan Pelchat is my stunt double, and it is so weird. I actually got a little bit of trouble because I you sign a bunch of stuff when you do Supernatural. You're not supposed to tweet or send out pictures, and one day I, I see and Dan took a picture together, and it's supposed to be like me looking at myself, and everyone thinks it's me looking in the mirror. That's my stunt double. Like, me and him look identical together. Like, it's it's the weirdest thing. I mean, if you saw us, like, you know, in a room, you wouldn't be like they're twins, but wearing the same clothes, the same haircut, the same size, the way we move. Dan is so good at not just doing stunts for me, but also watching the way I walk, watching the way I talk, watching, you know, he's also an actor and he, and he studied acting. So Dan, Dan was just, he had me down so good. And, you know, uh, I always, I always say Dean, but Jensen's stunt double, uh, Jesse, and his nickname is Jesse Blue, and his name is Jesse Blue Franchuk. Jesse Blue Franchuk is one of the best stunt guys in the business. He's, he's, um, he's Jensen's stunt double. And this guy, I mean, he is the epitome of at the top of his game, and he's fantastic. And the two of them together are the nicest guys. But whatever me and Jensen didn't do, these guys did. And we spent the entire day, the whole entire day of that fight was just me, Jensen, Dan, and Jesse. It was just the four of us on set all day long. I think it was like a 14-hour day. And it was long, and it was hard, and, and I had a lot of bumps and bruises. But the guys that really deserve the credit are, are the Anything you really physically see, like really physically see happen, that's not me. And I wish I could say it was, and I wish I could say I do my own stunts, but I, I learned a long time ago that some guys are there for a specific reason. You know, they're they're the ones. I don't have anything to prove. You know, I served my time in the Marine Corps. I, I had trouble growing up with, with playing football and fighting like the outsiders. And, you know, I was a tough kid, and, and I did I did tough things, and now I'm just a big pussycat. So anything, I don't have to prove that I can throw myself around. If there's someone there to do it, they can do it, and... And they can take the bumps and bruises because they're paid for it. But those guys, those guys, I, I literally have never worked with, with better guys in, in the stunt in the stunt world. That that was it was because I watch you know you know like most people you know do you know trying to catch you know okay is this the, you know trying to catch the scenes where it's the stunt double you know trying to catch those moments and it 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 was hard could not catch them you got they were great. Uh, I I had a blast. And I had a blast watching someone that looked just like me get thrown around. I'm like, ooh, that looks like it hurts. Ooh, look at that. And, you know, and then they'd, have, they'd, they'd bring me in, and they'd bloody me up, and then they would reshoot it, and I'd just get up from the ground, and I'd be like, ah, you know, I'd be like, ah. That, that was not me getting tossed around. So. But, you know, I mean, me and Jensen did have a couple pretty heavy stuff. You know, I mean, we worked really well together. And, you know, I said to him right off the go, I said, look, I've been a guest star on TV shows and, and films for the past 14 years, man. You have been a lead on a very action-packed uh, TV show for 10 years. You have this down. And Jensen has it down. Like, there's a whole different way to fight in film and movies. And, you know, you tend to want to speed up and go fast. And it's just a very slow choreograph, uh, very, you got to be very cautious. And, and Jensen is one of the best. He's one of the best, and work opposite of him. I learned so much from him, and I can't wait for you guys to see. I can't say anything too much, but it, it's going to get good. I'll tell you that right now. So oh, if, you nice. that, if you thought if you thought that was fantastic, <laughs> there's some, some fun stuff ahead in Season 10. Oh, very exciting. Cannot wait. Yeah. Um, we know you have uh audition you have to get to. Um, do we have time for a couple more questions before you have to go? 
Yeah, no, please. I'm I'm just waiting for them to call my name. And when they call my name, I'll I'll let you guys know. Okay. Um, I I wanted to um. To, there's uh, I have my own opinion. We argued a bit about this on our podcast last week. Did Cole drop the keys on purpose so that Sam could escape, or you know, was that an accident? I think he, I did it on purpose. <laughs> well, Cole's a quick thinker. Okay, he, he's no dummy. He's very smart. He's very intellectual. He's not. He's not just someone who brawls. He's, he's very calculated. And so, you know, the way I played it, and the way that it was written. Um, is that the minute that phone rang in my pocket and I and I put you know, I I'm going through this thing realizing I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill Sam. You know, I I I'm thinking about it but I'm I'm talking to this guy, I'm looking at him and yeah, you know, I've got the hammer and truthfully like you know, look at he's got a family, he's got a kid, you know, and he's he spent some time with Sam. He doesn't want to kill an innocent person. He wants to kill Dean because if Dean killed his dad Dean's gonna die, but Cole's not out there to hurt innocent people. And so far, he he does he hasn't put the pieces together whether or not Sam's innocent or not. So, you know, he's doing everything he can. He's punching him, he's hitting him, he's trying to get it out of him. So the minute the phone, when he's basically telling him he's not gonna he's not gonna give up his brother, and then the phone rings. That's how quick Cole thinks, right? He puts his hand in the phone to grab the phone. He feels the keys. A very quick idea, like maybe I can drop this, take the call. I mean, why would he take the call and walk out of the room, right? Why would he leave the room completely when he had someone? And you know, we all know when you have keys in your pocket, you know, nine out of ten times you can hear them drop or you can feel them drop. So my opinion of it is, is he needed, you know, he needed Sam to get away because he wasn't going to give his brother. He's probably willing to die. And it's very simple. If I let this guy go, he's going to go out and try to find his brother, and I'm going to follow him. And hence the next shot, me in the car, looking at him, watching him. So, yeah, I definitely think um, that was calculated, but it was it was very quick and it was very fast thinking on his part. Yes, I was right. Yes. Okay, yes. fine. Point to yes, you. Yes, you win. Point you win. You. <laughs> Woohoo! For one, I just figured. I figured Colt was like, no, nah, if this if this kid's not talking to me, I'm gonna have to kill Sam Winchester. Whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a more callous person than Cole is. <laughs> That's, That's probably it. Um, <laughs> I did catch, um, seeing of Cole, uh, I did catch one of your tweets about this, and I'm not, aside from our, our uh, regular account, I don't really keep up with Twitter too well lately. And um, But I saw where you were talking about, you, you had a tweet about Cole going to the library, and I cracked up because when first it was a fax machine <laughs> and then it was a library and I'm like, is this 1994? What's going on? <laughs> so yeah, I know it's, it's very weird. That. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you know, reading the script and, and, and seeing a few of the things happen, you're, you're really looking at this like, okay, so this guy's old school. He really wants to go to a library and read some books. You know, it's, uh, I, you know, maybe that was the nearest thing to him when he, his butt kick because he wasn't near any Wi-Fi or didn't have access to an iPad. You know, maybe his first place he saw after he, you know, got his, hand, you know, tush handed to him was the local public library. So, you know, but it was just funny because I was like, <laughs> man, wouldn't he just grab his, his iPad and, you know, Google search demons? I don't know. But, uh, um, you on know. On one hand, it was kind of cool because, I like you said, you don't really, you, you've never immersed yourself in the show, but, they use a 
sometimes they use the internet, but they're very dependent on old books within the within the canon of the show. And right. the idea is kind of like that's more reliable. Yeah. And so, so I kind of like you know when you talking about you know Cole being a smart guy, I like that he did that with you saying that, and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, there's so much crap out there on the Internet, right? There's just so much stuff that maybe it's just overloaded that the best resourceful way to go is just some old-school books that have been around for thousands of years. Maybe that's the way to go, to, you know, to filter through all the other stuff that's on the Internet. Because if you Google search demon, you're, you're probably, you know, it's going to take you forever to get through all the stuff on demons on the Internet, whereas at the library, they might have some really, you know, hand-me-down kind of books. So, yeah, I mean, it's... Listen, the writers are very good on the show. The writers are very, very good. You know why he has a fax machine? Who knows? I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure they've. I'm sure they've thought about that. I mean, we laugh as a general public. I laugh as an actor. But you're talking about writers who've been writing a show for ten years. So these guys are the best in the business. They're the smartest. So every little thing they write, the smallest thing, you know, like that's why you guys are so good as fans at like looking to the details. Because I assure you, the writers are thinking just as detailed, if not more, than the fans are. Like, everything. Everything down to, like, his shoelaces, to the way he, you know, got on his motorcycle. It, it all, it all, they don't just write to write. You know, they absolutely write with the intention of this is going to lead somewhere. This means something. And it'll all come back around. Um, that one, Melissa, on Twitter, she had a good question. Did your military background help you with the role of Cole? Oh, you know, listen, I, I spent four years in the Marine Corps, and, you know, it's going on 20 years since I served. Um, I joined. It was my 20-year uh, anniversary this past year uh, when I, I joined the Marines and got into boot camp. And there's nothing um, there's nothing in my life uh, that I do, whether it's my personal life, my professional life, a specific role, that doesn't completely have to do with the time that I served and, and the, the things that I learned. Um it is the most invaluable thing I ever did, not just for the, the country, not just for myself, but just in life in general. Um, you know, there's this, I had a huge lack of discipline, you know, in my life, and I, and I, I, needed, I needed it more than probably most uh, kids at the time. And so everything that the Marine Corps taught me uh, comes into anything I do. So even if it's not military associate, I mean, just the way I drive a car, look, I just recently got a Harley-Davidson Roadster and, you know, I've I got my license two years ago, but I haven't really ridden a lot. Just from the, the approach of just getting on a motorcycle and riding. I mean, everything I do is based upon what the Marine Corps taught me, um, how I handle situations, how I handle stress, how I handle fights or disagreements or arguments. Um, it, it really takes a lot to, to, to unwind my training. Um, they, they do a very good job at, at uh, you know, brainwashing is an evil term. But they just train you to the point that you become something. You become a machine. And so that's why the arts and that's why acting is so important to my life because I was so robotic in the way that I lived that, that I needed something to, um, to help connect me to human beings again and to understand what it was like to be a civilian, to, to what it's like to, to walk in someone else's shoes. But, you know, your, your question is, it's, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. If I have 38 credits on my resume or 40 credits, I don't know what I have now. Um, probably 39 of them are, are military-influenced or based. But, you know, I probably booked it because of my military service. And then there's probably one Jekyll that had nothing to do with the military. <laughs> yeah, hello. <laughs> so 
you know, it's just one of those things. It, it, it's influenced and inspired my entire life. And anybody who has a chance to serve uh, their country, you know, uh, you know, anybody young out there listening, any parents out there, um, it, it's so important for your children to understand that. And um, my nephews are going through it now, and, and I want them nothing more for them than, than to serve their country because it, it, it creates such a stability in, in your in your character that uh, it's really hard to get that anywhere else in the world. And that was your actual Marine photo used in the episode, wasn't it? That's my actual military photo used in the episode, yeah. Very, very cool. And thank you for your service. It, it's very, very respectful and something that, you know, every one of us are grateful for you and all the soldiers do for the country. Yes. Yeah, I, it means a lot when you guys say that. Like, you know, people do thank me a lot, and it really does. It really hits home when people notice it because, you know, when you stand on those footprints, when you get to boot camp and you look up and you read the USMCJ military rules, the first thing they tell you is basically you're no longer a civilian of the United States. You're no longer a citizen. You lose all your rights, and you're essentially government property. And that, that hit home really hard for me when I realized I no longer was a citizen of the U.S. I was owned by the U.S. government. And so for three and a half years of my life, I gave up my freedom. I gave up my rights. I gave up um, all the things that now I do not take for granted. And uh, anybody, you know, I I step outside myself now and I, I look at all my brothers serving in the military and it, it breaks my heart um, for some of them that are coming back, you know, mentally, psychologically uh, challenged or, or missing limbs. It, it's very heartbreaking to see, um, you know, what they have to deal with when they come back here to the United States and, and they're trying to figure out why they did lost a limb or lost a life or a friend. And, you know, anything I can do for the veterans, I, I've always tried to do, um, even though I'm one myself. Um, it's just such a noble thing. I mean, it, to, to take away me doing it, take away me joining and all the reasons why I did it, um, I just, it touches my heart when I see someone in uniform or I, I, I meet someone who served because I'm like, thank you. I say thank you. You know, thank you for giving your life potentially or giving, you know, your sanity, your, your psych, your psycho, your, your your mind, essentially. Thank you for for sacrificing that so that we can drive our, you know, Humvees and our hybrids and live in a and live in a great country that we do. Because it, it really is. This is the the greatest country in the world. It really is. I've, I've traveled quite a bit, and um, and Canada is a damn near second. I will say that Canada is pretty nice. <laughs> America is amazing, and it's built on the backbone of, of soldiers who. Have, who have defended it and, and built what we've built here. And, you know, talking about the good things that you've done, not only, you know, have you served your country and protected us with your, with your military background, you're also very big with um, caring for animals and other charitable mm-hmm. endeavors. I was, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your Army Animals Project? Yeah, for sure. Um, Army Animals is a company that was founded uh, four years ago with me and my business partners. My dear friend, Matt Heimeyer, his sister uh, was a huge animal advocate, and she worked in the shelters here in Los Angeles, and she got sick at an early age. She passed away at 39 years old, and one of the things that was really concerning for her is that if she was to to go, who would take care of these shelters because there's no state funding for them? So her brother, uh, Matt, uh, when she passed away, decided that he was going to do something in her honor and create a, a company that donated proceeds and profits to just help give money to these small little shelters. And that just that little seed that was planted, just that little idea, 
has has spawned into a global company and a global movement. It's it's been crazy to be a part of. But he came to me and he told me this story about his sister. He told me he wanted to create a t-shirt company and that we are going to donate a percentage to help, you know, small rescues. And I said, dude, I'm in. What can I do? And, you know, me, Damian Rios, uh, Rigo Diaz, Edgar, uh, Ararius, uh, we sat around a table and said, okay, how can we turn this company into something that really, really is, is big and, and, and that we can take our success and, and turn it around and, and help change, you know, reverse the way that the planet's going when it comes to animal welfare. And we felt we could do it. We felt his art was good enough. We felt the, the, the minds that we had together could could put together a company that people would want to wear the product. So the mission statement was good. And the, the T-shirts are phenomenal. So um, you started creating some cool designs. I, you know, one of the first people I got it on the back of, a, a, you know, a friend of mine who I've known for several years, Ashley Green. She's part of the Twilight franchise. And I was at Barney's Beanery, and we were talking about animals. And I said, hey, I got a shirt. Would you put it on? Would you would you help support us? And she threw the she went to the bathroom, threw the T-shirt on with her her girlfriend, um, Katie, and she came out and took a picture, a selfie, and posted it. And our company just took off. And Zach Brown has worn it, and um, you name it. Sean Sean Ferris has worn it. Clayne Crawford has worn it. All my all whoever's whoever you see, uh, Taylor Kinney on Chicago Fire, and uh, you know Taylor's dating uh, been dating Lady Gaga for three years and. Um, you know, all just that whole crew of people, Sean Sipos, Nick Gonzalez, everybody in my circle has rallied behind his company and thrown the shirt on their back. And, you know, now it's just out there. Now now people are, are really getting behind it. We just produced a documentary to help save sharks because if we don't stop shark finning and we don't stop uh, the shark fin soup uh, that's, that has no nutritional value and is really unhealthy to eat, if we don't stop slaughtering sharks, then we kill the apex predator of the ocean. And if the ocean loses its apex predator, then things like jellyfish and all these other things start to pop up, and you won't even be able to put your feet in the ocean in the next 10 years without getting stung. It'll be unswimmable. Sharks, you know, the way I, the way, and because no one likes sharks, but you don't understand that they're so misunderstood. Imagine a city that you live in and take out the police force, right? I mean, we all have problems sometimes with the officers getting us tickets and pulling us over, blah, 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 but just imagine taking police out of the equation. Like, just say, hey, no no more cops. It would be lawless. You know, it would. You need these these creatures there to monitor our oceans and, and to do what they're designed to do. And so when we're slaughtering, you know, 75 to 90 million sharks a year, you know, when, we're, when, we're, when, when that is what's happening and it takes so long for them to reproduce, um, we're essentially destroying mankind. We're, we're, we're destroying our ocean. And so I got behind that movement. Army Animals helped produce it. Uh, they, they, they donated. They, they made a shirt. Uh, sh- you know, Zero Dark Shark 30 was a shirt we made, and proceeds went to help uh, you know, finish the film, and we got the film out there, and it's in the process of being bought now. We're doing, like, really big global things. We're not just making T-shirts. We're, we just rescued Raju, the elephant that was in captivity for 50 years, you know, and, and when she was released, there's a picture of her, and, like, she, she's literally crying. You see tears coming down her face when she got to her new location, and, and she's out of her chains. And, you know, animals are here long before us. And, you know, regardless if you're a hunter or if you, you know, don't like dogs or don't like cats, the bottom line is there's some animal out there that touches your heart. There, there's something that touches your heart, and they're such therapeutic creatures. And it's our job as humans to, to treat them you know, with dignity and respect and, you know, when we stop doing that as, 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 as human beings and we're starting to lose ourselves and 
I read a great quote from Gandhi um, years ago before I started on the animal adventures, and it, it, it essentially says, you know, as as mankind, we need to we need to identify ourselves basically by how we treat our animals. And so, if this is what we're doing to our animals, you know, if we're wiping out elephants for their tusks and taking off rhinos for their horns, what does that say about us as human beings? And I don't want to live in a I don't want to live in a world where where that's acceptable and and that's a representation of who we are as, as humans. And so that that's just you know they're defenseless, and I'm I'm all about defending the defenseless. That's that's my big plight in life. Um, it, it's just something that can't defend itself, and it's our job to defend it. It's just something very near and dear to me. And any kind of success I have in entertainment, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn around and put it right into helping um, others, because this is what's really important to know about you know actors. You know we we come from the bottom and we, we we struggle really hard to get to where we're going. And then when we get where we think we're going and the success of the money and the fame comes, if we just take it all in and we just make it all about us, it will destroy you. Like it will literally destroy you. We are not meant to have this much attention on, on ourselves. We're not attention. We're not supposed to have this many things just given to us or, or idolized. We're not idols. We're not gods. If you get this kind of attention, if you get fans and you get people behind you, you better know where to divert that energy because that energy will eat you alive and you'll become a horrible human being. And I've watched people turn into horrible human beings and think they're God's gift for the planet. So any kind of success that I have that comes my way, I, I know exactly where I'm going to divert it because I don't want, I don't want it. I don't want that much attention on me. You know, I, I want to do my job. I want to work. I want to make, I want to entertain people, but then whatever comes from it, it's, it's my job to give it back to you guys, you know, to give it to the fans and to go out and do some really great things with it, you know, and, that's been the funnest part of this process. You know, I called a young a young woman today. She she uh, is about ready to go through chemotherapy. Uh, her name is Lisa, and I, I got on the phone with her today and gave her some different ideas of how she could recover from chemo and, and get healthy again. And, you know, we spent about 10 minutes on the phone. And that, that's why I do what I do. So I can get on the phone and talk to someone like her and give, give her a whole other approach to what she's going through so it can lift her up. And it could make her spirits heavier and higher. And that way, you know, that kind of energy that she's receiving from me because she likes my character on the show and she loves SPN, that kind of thing that, that she receives from me could be the difference between her uh, recovering, making a full recovery from, from cancer because she's now sucking in positive energy and she's feeling uplifted and high-spirited rather than living in the in the shallows of something negative and nasty as, as chemo and cancer can be. So... That's that. I've rambled on so much. Sorry. Oh, that, that's that's <laughs> awesome. I love listening to that. That's great. We I, we just followed at the uh, Army Animals the Twitter account, and you know anything awesome. we can do to help um, help promote, definitely, because you know we want one. We here, you know, all of us are huge animal fans. You know, animal lovers. We all have our pets, and I've always been a lover of elephants. I love. Elephants. I, rem- I know the video you were talking about of the elephant that was crying, and I did not know that that was you guys that did that. And yeah, so you know, would definitely help help promote that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, and that and that's that's what it's all about, right? Like, you know, you find an actor, you like them, and then you say, okay, well, what's he involved in? I mean, that's what I do. And there's a few actor friends of mine that I'm highly disappointed in, and I won't mention names, but they've received all this massive attention and fame and success, and. It's like, man, what are you guys, what are you doing with, you know, what are you doing with this? Like, you have the ability to really make a difference. You really have the ability to, 
raise thousands and tens of thousands of dollars to do something really great. And, you know, you're, you're over at the gifting lounge, you know, just sitting there drinking, you know, whiskey and taking photos of yourself, you know, selfies. Like, that's not what this is about. And this is not what we're meant to do with our success. And so to have you guys sit there and say, now we're falling on the animals, how could we help? You know, you buy a T-shirt, if it has an elephant on it, those, those proceeds are going to go to help an elephant cause. If it has a gorilla on it, those proceeds are going to go to help a gorilla's cause. That's what we do. That's, that's the game plan. And we want to make it as big as, you know, Oakley. We want to make it as big as Mossimo, but with a charitable aspect and design to where, you know, I mean, could you ma- I think Oakley might do this now, uh, but could you imagine every pair of sunglasses sold? Like Tom's, right? Every pair of sunglasses sold, 20% of every sunglasses went to help skin cancer, lupus, something. I mean, Oakley alone is a $4.8 billion company. So billions of dollars could go into this research, and it, it, it helps. And that's, that's how companies should be designed. That's how companies should start. That, that should be the model for every company and every business that, that gets off the ground. It should say, okay, we're going to give 10 to 15% of what we make to something specific. And if more companies did that from the get-go, I think we could see a, a global shift. Um, the um, people on, on Twitter are asking for the website. Is it armtheanimals.com? Yeah, www.armtheanimals.com. With an S, dot com. And I want to make sure that it's very careful. We are not a 501c3C. We're not a charity. We're a charitable company. The guys that started it, all of us, we, we come from very little money. So the, the money that we make in this company, we need to run the business. We have to pay people. We have to pay a staff. We're, we're not backed by Richard Branson where we can basically have everybody working for free. So it is a charitable company. It's not a charity, and you have to be very specific about that. But the proceeds that we say we send, they go to that cause. We, we do donate that percentage to that cause. And hopefully one day we can, you know, Give 90% of the company away. Hopefully one day we can do what Newman, you know, Paul Newman did with his great company, you know, Newman's own. Mm-hmm. Hopefully one day Army Animals could be a company that is completely a 5013C and, and all the money goes to the cause. But as of right now, we're just four struggling dudes out of uh, Covina and Glendora and San Dimas. And we're just trying to make a little bit of a difference and, and do the right thing with, with, our, with our network and our, our idea that, that started with Matt and his sister. Well, and I think well, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there, and if you can combine entrepreneurship like this with a cause that you're passionate about, it it gives you um, it gives what you're doing just a whole other feeling. You're not just buying a random T-shirt because you liked it. You like a T-shirt, and there's something behind it. And I like what you're saying about that. Yeah, and my my ultimate goal as an actor, and this is something I set out to do. There is a, a charity um, called A Window Between Worlds, and a wonderful woman named Aubrey ran it, and it has to do with uh, women who have been abused or beaten. And I, I come from a family. Um, my, my sister went through a really horrific thing, and, and myself, and not to get too much into detail, but um, I've had a few women in my life, uh, and, and even myself, that have been abused. And um, when I started doing these really horrible uh, characters that you know were either rapists or pedophiles or... I play like horrible people and it's like, God, I, you know, I'm really not that bad of a person. Like my God, it, but you have to, you know, you have to take what you can get when you start and, you know, God willing, one day I'll be able to do like Toy Story 5 and, and do something positive and upbeat. But, you know, I always get put on um, playing these people that do horrible things to women. And so 
I, you know, I said, okay, what can I do to make a difference? And so part of my criminal minds check, which you know, wasn't a great deal of money, but a part of the portion that I made from that, that show for playing that character, I donated to a window between worlds. I went down there and donated some time to work with women that had been beaten and abused because I was, you know, essentially exploiting that. And my, my original thought when that happened was, why don't movies like Saw, right? These horrible films that are about like just brutally killing people. Why don't they give 10% of what the, what the film makes? You know, why don't, why doesn't 10% of the film go to families that have lost their, their loved ones by being killed or murdered? You know, why, why don't studios incorporate this charitable aspect? So when you go to a movie theater and let's say, for example, you know, Oliver Stone did World Trade Center, right? Like you go and you go see this movie about the World Trade Center and the towers falling. Why not 10 or 20% of that film proceeds from the box office? Why doesn't that go to the families that have lost? Like genuinely go to the family fund to help the kids that were, you know, abandoned uh, by their parents who, who died in those towers to a college fund. But something that says, okay, we're going to exploit this thing that happened, but the money that is made from it is going to go towards um, these causes. And if we did that in the film industry, if we did that with movies, if studios and networks said, you know, we're going to make a show about this, but the money that comes in, we're going to donate a portion of it. And they highlight a charity. Like, let's say a charity was attached to a show I mean, think about how many more people would tune in and watch because they would feel like they were doing something. They were giving. You know, if I watch this, I know I'm doing my part. You know, I'm, There's something just about it that just seems so simple, right? It just seems like it should be the way it is. And that's kind of what I'm hoping to bring to this business is, is an actor and as a producer and as a writer. and Whatever I create, I'm hoping that I can give a percentage of it to whatever I'm uh, exploiting or whatever I'm, I'm story I'm telling I don't, really, should, I don't really know if money cool. should go to demons. Like, I don't know where supernatural money would go. I mean, <laughs> maybe, the church, maybe the church. I don't know. I have no idea where <laughs> where money could, from supernatural can go. But you know what I mean? Like, that, that's, that's the goal, right? That, that's the end game. Like, you can always find something that, that associates some good cause. Well, and, Sam and Dean are technically orphans. So right. It could go to, like, it could uh, go to, like, yeah, children are kind of fun. There you go. There's, there we go. See, now you're and, thinking. And, now, see, that's what and I'm saying, right? Cole was left without his dad, so he was the orphan. Right. So. He was? He was? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, well, we don't know about his mom. I don't know. His mom may have still been around, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, where was she that night? Like, was she just still sleeping? I mean, where, where, where was she at? I mean, I didn't run. I should have said mom, but I, I, I always imagine that Cole mother wasn't there. They was raised by his dad, and when his dad was killed, he was orphaned, and that he then uh, was sent to go live with either an orphanage in Texas or his uncle in Texas. I just always imagined right. he left New Jersey, because he was from New Jersey, and they shipped, when his dad died, they shipped him to another part, you know, so not only did he lose his dad, but he lost his home, lost his life. He lost everything when Dean killed his dad, and so, you know, you know but yeah, you're right, getting back to that, like, there's plenty of orphanages out there that have kids that don't have families. And, you know, the story is based upon orphaned and kids that have lost their mom and dad. You know, that'd be a great place for money to be, money to be I, put, you know. I, my husband and I were foster parents. So, you know, foster parenting, you know, that would be a something great, too, that money could go towards. So. Might have to, um, we might have to look into a few things. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do I want um, to yeah, we, we tend to do a lot whenever, so like, why we said, you know, if there's anything, let us know. It's, the Supernatural fandom as a whole is very charity-focused. It's something that we as fandom 
always pull together on, and we it, it's it's a very constant thing within us. There's, there's constant fundraisers and, and such going on, so it's um, it's something that unites the fandom in a way. Is all the different charity works that everybody does. It's connected with the show, and uh, it's always good to see someone come onto the show who has a passion for something and isn't just looking at I. You know, I punch in the clock, I I say my lines, and I go home, and I'm done. It's always good to to have somebody come on and have a focus outside of me. Mm. Yes, yes, I love that. Okay, yes. Did I lose you guys? Did it drop? I got the last part uh, cut off. Oh, Benny, Hello. Benny, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Okay. Hi. Um. Repeat for Travis what you said. Oh, I was saying, um, you know, as a, as a fandom, we're so charity-driven, and it's always nice to have someone come in who's not just, you know, stepping on a set, saying their lines, and then walking off. But they, they let us into what they do outside of that and the passions they have outside of that and teach us and allow us to help those endeavors. It's a very it's a very give-and-take fandom. <laughs> it 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 really is like I I gotta tell you like I'll say this again I, I I've said it many times I've never seen anything like this I've never I've done a lot of hit shows with a lot of great fans I, I've never experienced anything like the supernatural fans like and everyone's like you better oh, you better be ready get ready and I'm like oh I'm ready but I I really wasn't <laughs> like it's 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 overwhelming and it's you know I I will say this if people are listening it's it's really, really difficult to um, – my heart wants to answer every single text. It wants to answer every single tweet or message on Facebook. I, I really wish I could, and I really appreciate the ones that understand that I can't. But there are a handful of people that really wonder why I favor other people more than the next. And it, it's just, you know, it's like anything in life. Sometimes you have a different connection with people where they say something or there's a similarity or something happens and they reach out in a way that you just connect with them and you communicate with them. But I, I wish I could communicate with yeah, I think I went from 500 followers on Twitter to, you know, I'm nearly close to 4,000. I don't know what I'm at, 4,000 something. But, you know, to just have that many people come into your life, I, I wish I could show appreciation by taking the time and talking to each and every person, as I'm sure Jared and Jensen do as well. But it's hard. You know, it's 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 hard to to to, to be able to, to do it all, and, and there's just not enough time in the day. And sometimes I just turn off my cell phone and I don't pay attention. And then I'll turn on my cell phone and it'll be like, you haven't been on your Twitter for, you know, a couple of days. Like, what's going on? And, it, you know, I, I hope it doesn't offend anybody or I hope it doesn't get anybody upset. But it's a little overwhelming. It, it really is. I mean, I have to be very serious. I've never experienced anything like it. And some of my friends that got really successful or famous, I was always like, guys, you just disappeared. What happened? Like, you got famous and you're too good. And it was like, no, they just they got famous and they couldn't handle the <laughs> They couldn't handle what came out of it. You have to turn it off. You know, you have to kind of walk away and connect with your mom and your dad and your family and the people that were there for you from the beginning. And, um, you know, because you have a whole new group of people in your life. And the Supernatural family, is it's a big family. I mean, it's huge. And um, it's overwhelming. But it's it's so welcome. I'm so welcome to it. I just, I really wanted to put out there as people are listening to this, I really do wish I could answer all your tweets. I wish I could retweet everything. I wish I could if you're struggling or going through, um, you know, a family or a death or, or a disease or, or a loss of a loved one, um, 
I, you know, I, you know, my heart goes out to anybody who's suffering or in pain. Cause I know it's a struggle out there in, in the world we live in. I've been struggling in it, you know, for 39 years. I've, I've, I've come from very little and I know how hard it is, you know, and, um, I wish I could pick up the phone to each and every person and, and make it, make them feel better. But, you know, just know if I see it and I read it, I, I will respond. And if, if I miss it, uh, I, you know, it's not because I'm ignoring you. And that's just something I just wanted to let people know, you know. Well, once you're a part of Supernatural Family, we keep you, you know. So you're here here for life. Good. I'm happy to be a part of it. Over the summer, we on our podcast, we had Gabriel Tigerman, and he hasn't been on Supernatural since season two, you know. So, you know, once you're there, we love you and we keep you around. We never let you go. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. I mean, as as an actor in this business, we deal with so much rejection. I, if I went through the list of of parts that I did not get, you guys would be overwhelmed. One of the hardest ones recently was Gotham, um, and if I would have gotten Gotham, I wouldn't have gotten Supernatural. But it came down to me and Benjamin McKenzie again. Damn Benjamin McKenzie! He, uh, <laughs> you know, he did a great job on Southland, and he has a history in the television business. And he he ended up getting the role that I really 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 busted my butt for, which is to play Commissioner Gordon, because I, I just love that character. I love what Gary Oldman did with it. But uh, Ben got it, and, you know, we deal with so much rejection and heartbreak. It's really, really hard, because these things change your life. You know, the, these roles that you don't get, the big ones, they change your life. You go from eating top ramen and wondering how to pay your electric bill, and, and you're not going to qualify for your health insurance if you don't make this much money this, this year. And you know, the, the struggles that we face as artists are very real, you know. And um, I, I've done everything from clean homes to to paint fences, to wash cars, anything to survive. And, um, you know, when you get embraced, you know, when you genuinely get embraced by a group of people, we're so used to rejection. And we're so used to being, like, turned down and people telling us, like, no, thank you, um, that when you have something like this, it's like, oh, my God, yes, I need a hug. Absolutely, I'll take your guys a supernatural hug. I will take it, and I will hold it, and I will not <laughs> let it go. Because there's not a lot of people hug in, in Los Angeles. It's a, the hugless town. Well, next week, we just got to start getting you to a convention so we can actually, you know, give you those hugs in, in person. So. Yeah, I, I would love to. Listen, I you know, I would be more than welcome to see what those are all about. I, I've never thought about ever doing them. I never thought they'd be something I'd do in my life. And everybody's telling me how wonderful they are and how exciting they are. And, you know, that's up to the the, the, the convention gods. You know, if, if the fans want to meet me and we want to, you know, get me out there, then it's, I guess there's uh, companies like Creation and there's just a handful of other people that run these shows and it's up to them to make the invite. And my business partner and manager, Bill Backo, I don't know if you guys know who Bill is, but... Bill's the owner of uh, Phoenix Cosmetics, and it's a it's a medical line for skincare, and it is fantastic. I'm 39 years old, and I play 24 on the show, believe it or not. Um, but it's it's based upon the fact that I I use Bill's Bill's line, like his his eye cream, his hand. I mean, all that. I'm plugging him uh, not because he's a friend. I'm plugging him because I was using his product five years before I even met him. And and I came to him and I said, dude, I need your help. I need you to help me run my business because you've done so well with Phoenix and. So Bill, Bill, uh, you know, Bill's running. Essentially, he's my business partner, and he's uh, managing, you know, my business outside of the things that my manager, Lock Powell, does. Uh, he's at Leverage, and 
he handles, you know, uh, the entertainment side, and Bill kind of handles the things like if there is going to be a, a convention appearance, that's going to that's going to be Bill's uh, kind of filter, and him and Locke, my manager, will kind of discuss what's good for me to do and what's not. Um, but I'd love to go. I would love to come, and I'd love to see what it's like. It, it, it you know, it's going to be fun. I, I hear it's amazing. Jensen and Jared said it's incredible, and so I'm excited. We will have to start tweeting at Creation Entertainment. Let them know that we need we want you to come to start coming to the convention. <laughs> we need we need Cole yeah. to the convention. <laughs> oh, and I have to say this because this happens this happens a lot with uh, with Bill's product, by the way, because I know a lot of ladies are like, "How does your skin look so good?" And my mom just got on the eye cream. I just turned my mom on to the eye cream finally, and now she's bothering Bill all the time. But it's not Phoenix like P H O E N I X. It's not that. It that's that's a city in. Arizona. It's Phoenix, like F-E-N-I-X. And I'm telling you, ladies, I'm te- even the guys, I don't have to say ladies, if there's dudes listening to this, try one of the things. You will thank me. You will call me and thank me. And then maybe we'll do like a promotion every month. We'll do something kind of like fun to get, get some products to whoever wins. Or we'll come up with something fun and creative. But check that out. You guys, I'm telling you, especially the women, you guys will call me and thank me. And if you have babies or children, lather them in sunblock because we really do a lot to fight uh, skin cancer and, and build a big part of lupus. And so, you know, when I decide one day to have a child, when I do, I'm going to bathe him every day in sunblock because it's it's harsh on the skin out there. So, you know, be careful. You have my attention because I work, I work in the beauty industry. So what I do yeah. primarily is I do cosmetics, but primarily my passion is skin care. And mm, perfect. Like, when I have, yeah, when I do, when I consult with people and they're like, I'm like, so what, how, you know, how often are you applying your sunscreen? They're like, I don't wear, I will literally, literally like reel back in horror that they don't use sunscreen. It's, it's like the mortal sin to me is not to put sunscreen on. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you yeah. We should lather in it. We should, we should lather in it. it, it our sun's brutal. You know, it, it's real. It's very real. And, um, you know, the last thing you want to deal with is skin cancer or lupus. It's it's serious and it's not fun. So, you know, I know I sound like a plugging machine, but I got to tell you, the things that I say, whether it be G-Star, whether it be Phoenix, whether it be Harley-Davidson, whatever I say, uh, these are products that I've used my entire life. But these are things that I wholly, hardly believe in. I would never take a, a dime from any company just to plug their their company. Like, I've been approached lately by people who are like, say this and we'll give you a paycheck. I'm like, but I don't use it. You know, I don't, I'm not going to say it if I don't use it. And, you know, that's the thing. Like anytime you hear me say something, hashtag something, talk about something, and people ask me genuinely, like, you know, are you just trying to promote something? Because like Kim Kardashian, you you get money for your tweets. Like, no, I, I don't. I don't get any money. I, I totally believe in, in these products. And I've been fortunate enough to live in Los Angeles my entire life. And some of the things I've, I've, got to see and experience and, and some of the things that come to me it's like look at this is this is what I do I juice or this is a detoxification program that I did to help me recover from some of the crap that I put in my body or when I had surgery and I had to recover from surgery I had to take all this medication like I did this or I do that or you know I, I drive this car or I wear this it's because I genuinely filter what is the best and what is what is good and what's worth it and and that that is ultimately a, I'm not plugging. I'm telling you guys like these are the things that are great. They're awesome, and I and I hope people get to experience them, you know, and and get a chance. And if I can get some things to people, or I can help or 
anything I can do in that way to kind of have someone experience some of the things that I've done in my life, then I'm going to talk about it, you know. I'm going to, I'm going to let you guys know. And uh, I will never promote anything that I don't believe in, ever. Well, Travis, uh, we've kept, we've kept a, we've taken up a few time. Uh, we know you've, you've, you're busy there, and you've got that audition coming up, coming up. So we'll let you get to that, and good luck awesome. with the audition. Yes, and good luck with the audition. We'll we'll have our fingers crossed for you. You guys got to experience the day in the life of an actor. I I just drove 45 minutes to get to an audition, and my audition was at. 4:45. That's the time I was supposed to be here, and it's 6:08. It and, and they still haven't seen me. So this is what oh, we do, you know. <laughs> we, 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 yeah. And 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 by the way, there's probably about 200 people here for it. It's, it's a Kia commercial. And uh, oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So you know, an hour and 45 minutes, about 200 people to be in a Kia commercial, and uh, they haven't seen me yet. So it's it's not all champagne and, and fancy fancy. Trust me, it's, it's a lot of like. <laughs> Standing around, walking in circles, wondering like when I get to go in and say my lines. You'll have to tweet us and let us know if you get the part. Yeah, I will. I definitely, I'm a Ford guy. That's the problem. Yeah, I always have a problem with that. I, I've been driving, <laughs> my grandfather. My grandfather worked at Ford for 30 years, and I, I've been driving Ford for 15 years. And so to get a Kia commercial, I'd be like, oh man, uh, I don't uh, know. My, hard. my husband. My husband's a Ford man, so yeah, yeah, he nice. he would be right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta keep you got American built, right? We got it. We got That's right. That's right. What's built here? It's important. Well, you girl, you ladies have been lovely. I hope I hope I've opened up some new things to you guys and kind of explained a little bit of who I am, not just as an actor and on a show, but also my personal life and. Um, I wanted to express some things on this interview. I, I, I wanted to do it with you guys. One, I think you're the first people I followed to the, you know, I think I saw Winchester Brothers and just kind of loved what you guys are doing. I, I looked a little bit, I looked you up and, and just saw that you guys are just positive and loving the show and putting good vibes out there. And I followed you first and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to do the show because I wanted, you know, I wanted the people to know out there a few things. One, that uh, I wish I could answer every text and, and email, and, I, and, you know, just please bear with us when, when we can't respond. And, and two, if, you know, if I'm behind or supporting anything, if I say something, I, I really mean it, you know. I'm not just out there just trying to self-promote for no apparent reason. And and lastly, I just, you know, I wanted people to understand what my point of, of being an actor and an artist is, and that is to essentially do something really good. And as, as my fan. I, I love having you guys on board to help me through this process. I can't I can't do it on my own. It's just, I need all your guys' love and support, and every little bit that you guys do it means the world. And hopefully, I can I can get back to you. Well, you definitely have our love and support. We were we were fans huh. of you before, and now even more so after talking with you. <laughs> we just had a great time talking with you and you, letting us know you know about who you are and the person that is Travis. And it's just been a amazing discussion. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much. It, it means the world. It really does. And uh, you ladies, anytime, like, we'll give it a little bit of a break. Maybe, you know, um, maybe we see what the future holds for Cole Trenton. And, and if there's some more to talk about, maybe a few weeks from now or a month from now, we can we can reconvene and do this again. We'd Sounds love good. that. We'd love to have you back. Awesome. And then, uh, 
you know, Bill, Bill, Bill handles like kind of my day to day and what comes at me. So follow at, you know, at Bill Bacco, follow at Phoenix Cosmetics. And if you got to reach out to me and, and get me, you know, you can reach me through Bill. And he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful human being. I, I joke with him. He has a hashtag called uh, CEO. Uh, I hate saying this out loud, but bitch, it's CEO bitch. And there's a story, there's a story behind it. And I'll tell you the story next time on the show, but that's Bill's hashtag. Um, but he's a lovely, lovely, lovely human being. He's, he's a good human being. He's a good man. And I tease him all the time. Cause he's probably one of the nicest CEOs in the world. Like he, you meet a lot of CEOs and they're just very hard nosed, very, very nasty people. He's one of the kindest CEOs in the planet. And so I gave him that little nickname after a night of, of going out and, and hanging with him and, it's a kind of an inside joke, so you know you can always hashtag that if it doesn't offend you. <laughs> uh, well, we're, we're, we're very difficult now. to offend. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it takes a lot to offend us. Yep, this is true. We're following him now, so and we're following Phoenix Cosmetics. So we we've got awesome. you covered. We're, co- we're we're following uh, Arm the Animals, Bill Bacco, and Phoenix Cosmetics now. So. I've done my job. That's it. You guys are going to love Paul. You guys are going to love them. They're great, and they're going to love you back, and, and this is exciting. Well, thanks again so much. We look forward to having you back on the show soon. You got it. And if anybody wants to reach me, I, I try to look at my Twitters. I try to look at my Instagrams. It's at Travis Aaron Wade at Twitter.com or Twitter, whatever. And then it's Instagram at uh, at Travis Aaron Wade, uh, Facebook's Travis Aaron Wade, Travis Aaron Wade Saint Page, OTW, T Wadesters, all that stuff. That that's all me, and and that's all my fans. It's all real. It's not some 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 weirdo sitting in a in a in a cage. Well, thanks again so very very much, and um, break a leg at that audition, and we hope to have you back on the podcast soon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ladies, please be safe and take care and all the best to you and your families and, and enjoy the show and maybe you'll see me in the next couple episodes. Who knows, right? We don't know. We're I don't we're, know. we're gonna we're gonna keep our fingers crossed for it. We wanna see you back on the show soon. Yeah, well I look for I look forward to uh to seeing and, and talking to you guys again. Thanks, Travis. Take care, ladies. Bye bye. All right, bye bye. Wow, he's awesome. I had a great time talking with him. Yes. And now, like, I, I have a T-shirt to buy. I have skincare to buy. Like, he hit all the things that I care about, animals and skincare. Right, are, right. So, it's like he knew Vinny somehow. He's like, oh, she, need, she needs to care about all these things. <laughs> he's great. And so, I mean, so passionate about everything that he loves, you know, uh, the military and the animals and all the good work that he does. I'm, I'm very, very impressed with him. Indeed. Yes, we definitely have to have him back. We got to, you know, once we find out more about Cole, that way we'll have more Cole questions we can ask him. Yeah. And I, I think I kind of like that they're, they're going to give us bits of Cole slowly. It seems. Right. Right. Me too. Me too. So, which means that maybe that means we'll get him, you know, more than just a few episodes. Maybe you know he'll, you know, he'll be on for quite a while. So, and so you want to talk about Soul Survivor? Well, we could if you want. <laughs> that was a good episode directed by Mr. Jensen Ackles there. 
was. That was a weird I like the episode a lot more than a lot of people I talked to about it. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't yeah. like it as much as I wanted to. Yeah, the there fandom was, seemed split down the middle with it. Yeah. And and I do want to say, like, there were certain things that I really wanted out of this episode, and I I didn't get them. And I, I saw that with a lot of people, and I'm not going to call it bad because I didn't get my way, because I don't think that hinges on whether an episode is good or bad. Um, you know, solely me getting exactly what I want out of it. But there were things that I felt like possibly... The, Okay, the, the the pairing that wrote this episode, which is uh, is a Buckner Lemming episode, they're actually um, some of my favorite writers, to be honest, in terms of what they construct in terms of like a myth building kind of thing, and also some of my favorite dialogue writers, um, and also the ones that did uh, the the scene last with Castiel and the woman in the church talking about faith, which is one of my favorite uh, moments of dialogue in the show. Mm-hmm. That said, because they do such meaty dialogue, the pacing of the episodes tend to suffer. Taxi Driver, this episode, it's, it's, it's a reoccurring thing where you get really, really good dialogue, but a, rust, a rushed story in the end. And I think this episode mm-hmm. suffered from that as well. Well, I will say the only thing that I was disappointed with, and again, it's just because I didn't understand it really, was why it wasn't Sam didn't use his own blood, although I did see someone had a good reason for it. Um, You know, that was like, oh, okay, if that's the reason, I'll accept it. But, you know, Sam used his own blood with Crowley. You know, why couldn't he use it with his brother? I thought, um, but, you know, maybe like they... That it would make it, you know, with so much blood, it would make... Yes, and that was the only thing, because that's one of the things that I was like, I really wanted this, and I didn't get it. And I can't, like I said, I can't say it was bad because I didn't get what I wanted or, you know, that my meta didn't pan out, because that's that's ridiculous, that's ludicrous. However, I thought, you know, being brothers and then, you know, blood and blood, and the show is so familially rooted, and the brothers are literally the crux of the show, and I thought it would have been a nice bit of symmetry so I was disappointed that it wasn't Sam's blood. But when I saw somebody be like, well, that's a lot of blood to take out of yourself. You know, what if, you, you know, you need to be alert. I was like, oh, okay. Because with the trials and with Crowley, Sam was prepared to die. That wasn't the case with this. So right. I can accept that. I don't like it. It's not what I wanted, but I can accept it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, my feelings exactly. I, you know, I, I, like you said, it must be, you know, it's because he didn't want to be, you know, to, because what if he still needed, you know, he's a dean and dean. He needs to be strong to fight him and not get weaker and weaker, so. And how weird, you know, I, I'm guessing it's the mark that was making his, the blood making sick instead of just making him more emotional like it did with Crowley. And, you know, 
Castillo and Sam even talked about that, that, you know, it looked like he was killing him. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and I assume it's it's the mark and also, you know, as they've discussed, you're not – this was kind of the true essence of what was introduced when they started talking about the demon cure because one of the questions we had and, you know, several people in fandom have had is, okay, when you cured a demon – you basically gave the demon the body and they no longer were evil, right. but what happened to the person? And Dean is Very the prime Yeah, Dean is the prime candidate for something like this because it is it's Dean going back to Dean. Mm-hmm. And so I can I can kind of justify the little differences in terms of this wasn't a demon fighting for, you know, control of the body in a way. It was literally fighting for its persona, for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. You're right. You're very good point. So I could I could see that. Um to be honest, my main problem with the episode and again it's for me it comes down to a pacing thing and it comes at the end is for a show that's supposed to be so much about connections and the heart of things, it disappointed me that in reality, neither neither Sam nor Cass was directly important in terms of saving Dean. It could have been any dude with blood, and I would knowledge of Latin, and it could have been any angel. It literally didn't True. matter either one of them. And I find True, that but- disheartening. You could say that though about you know a lot of times that you know one you know one of them has been saved. It could have been you know anybody for you know. For but I'm talking about a, this, this is a big save. This is this is on par with Sam jumping into the cage. You know it had to be I Sam. Right. Was the vessel he was doing it? Yes, to save the world. But he was doing it so that Dean could have a world to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was emotional. Dean selling his soul for Sam. It's emotional. It. it, it you know, the reason that the demon made the deal with Dean and the reason it was only one year and the reason she knew she could get him for just one year was because it was so personal. And this lack of right. that, it lacked any kind of emotional pull for me. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like this should have been, I really think this episode really would have benefited and it's a cash 22 I think the episode benefited from Jensen directing it because I think he did a fantastic job. Um, I really, really, really do. This is probably, in terms of directing, my favorite episode by him. Um, You can see where he's grown as a director. You can see the inherent skill he has. However, I think the episode itself suffered from having to be directed by him because I think it would have benefited from being uh, a bunker bottle episode. But you can't do that when one of your leads is the director. Right, right. It, it's, an, it's an impossibility. You know, you can't do that to Jensen. So it, it also took, takes you slightly out of what's going on with Dean and Sam to cut to Hannah and Cass, to cut to Crowley. And it was really strange that Crowley was almost I felt like an observer of it. Like he felt like I felt like he was part of my of the audience with me. It was it was a really strange. It was a strange. I think that pacing, the setup and the pacing was strange to me. 
One thing I thought funny, uh, um, one thing I liked and I thought it was funny, was apparently they think hell is for family. <laughs> because no, but totally. So many, so many family members were in at playing, you know, parts in hell. There was um, Mark Shepard's son playing um, Max, Max there playing. Um, he was the kid who was beside um, Crowley and handing in papers and things through the scenes. And then, yeah, then uh, Jensen's brother-in-law and niece were yeah. demons there at the beginning. And so I was like, ah, oh, so help for family. Got it. Okie dokie. <laughs> And I mean, not wrong, <laughs> right? I mean, there's been many times I thought my family was hell, so no, I completely and you can't escape them. <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> and I thought I really, you know, we've seen hell a few different times. Um, it looks different, you know, almost every time we've seen it. And but I really liked the way hell looks in that scene. So you know, I like. I like that hell. It looked hellish to me. I thought, you know, Jerry Wanick yeah. did a great job. It looked really, really good. Yeah, it was, everything was really, I liked, um, there was also, I liked the little things like Jensen uh, naming the gas station after his nephew, Little Levi's. Yeah. I liked seeing the, I liked seeing the, the throwback to the El Sol, because that's the same. It's just El Sol, mm-hmm. uh, light was in the bar. Uh, little things like that I really enjoyed. Um, I, like I said, the things I liked the most about the episode were in terms of the dialogue, but not as much the story. But I thought there were really, really great dialogue moments um, with Sam and Lester in the bar, uh, Dean and Sam in the bunker, Hannah and Cass. I really, really also liked... Um, the demon that that commits suicide in front of Crowley. I yes, love what yes. he says that uh-huh. he doesn't want to be in a hell that that Crowley built, and he's and and Crowley telling him, "What are you going to do about it?" And you know the the idea that even demons can reach a point where they're just like, "This is not worth it anymore." Right. And right. And, I know that there's been a lot like, of debate. There's been a lot of debate like going, demon. you know, are they? Oh, yeah, are they overhumanizing demons? But I think that that's something that's worth exploring or worth thinking about because demons were humans. Uh, Right. Demons, that's exactly, demons are humans. Just, you know, they've been in hell and been twisted. Um, So, yeah, exactly. So they are going to be human because, you know, have human-like qualities because they're human. Yeah, you know, unlike angels who are just, you know, angels, a demon is created from a human soul. So I, I I like the idea of them having that level of disappointment, anger, frustration, despair, to just say, screw it, I'm done. And to stand up in front of your leader and say, not only am I, not, not only am I done, I don't even want to fight you on it anymore. I'm just done. Right, right. Um, I do... Things that I thought were weird, I and I thought this was weird from the from the premiere, but I thought we did an explanation and then we didn't, because I knew that they were going to flash back to uh, the demon Dar and Sam, and I thought mm-hmm. they would explain to me why she's so 
in so much pain because he's cutting her with a plain old knife, and it's not explained, and I can't figure out why she's so upset about it because we've never seen a demon that cared that they were being cut before or shot or stabbed, anything. They've never cared before. You know, right, strange to be, but um, I really thought we'd get an explanation as to why and no. Um, my mother had a big issue with uh, the uh, Sam just walking up and plunging the syringe into Jean's forearm. She's like, you can't give him blood like that. It doesn't work. It's muscle. And I was like, you're watching a show about demons and you're, you're going to dispute anatomy. She's like, it's just, it's not right. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> That's the way they do it. I agree, and it bugs me every time, but it's just the way they do it on TV, and it's like, I get yeah. so tired well, of it. It's like, can, you can kind of, like, hand wave it when they go to the neck, because you can figure, like, eh, it's pretty easy to get a vein in the neck. And then there are a few shots where he really does get him, you know, where it can, you, can, you can think it's maybe a vein, because he gets him right in the crook of his elbow, but that first one is just a straight stab to the forearm. Uh, okay. <laughs> Oh, whatever. Um, we got a we got a caller over here. I'm gonna take the call. I think I know who it is because she tweeted to us that she's trying to call in. I think it's our friend Amanda. So I'm gonna take the call and see if it's Amanda. If not, we'll be happy to talk to whoever it is. So, okay. <laughs> Hello, Winchester Radio. Hello. Hi. Hello. Is this Amanda? Amanda. It is Amanda. <laughs> hey, Amanda. Hey. <laughs> Every time How I listen you? to you guys, and I'm like, good. Every time I listen to you guys, I get all up about the episode, and I hear you guys dissect it, and I'm all like, uh, <laughs> they're wrong. <right. laughs> no, I mean, I, and like I said, I like the episode a lot more than most of the people I've talked to. Like, uh, I I didn't get to watch the episode until Wednesday afternoon because I had to work and all that, whatever. Um, and so a bunch of people were like, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. It was boring. I didn't like it. And so I, I was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, but I actually liked it. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. I, I loved it. I, the only thing, like I said, the only thing that I was about was that it wasn't Sam's blood, but I'm fine with that. I I understand why. And so I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I was just like... It was so funny because I was like, I had therapy that day, and I, was, I talk to my therapist like all the time about supernatural, and she thinks it's hilarious, but she gets me. And I was sitting there like, I'm so excited for tonight. She's like, listen, I'm like supernatural. It's Sam and Dean. They're going to argue, and it's going to be great. And Jared and Jeff are going to play it so fucking well. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay. I'm like, you're going to fight. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, and those words, they were some very, very mean words said there. I mean, all the things. I'm really excited, which sounds horrible, but you know Dean's been, I mean, we like us as fans have been, like, thinking about it, but you know Dean's been like, I kind of blame you. But, like, won't ever say it, but, like, it seems to be part of him, you know. I'm sure he does, in a way, Sorry, you know. Sorry, my dog's barking. Sorry, sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I kicked my dog out. <laughs> I was like, no, no, go upstairs. I'm going to get in. <laughs> but, yeah, I was, because, you know, I was just, I was like, I, was, I don't know. Like, I like it when the show, like, does something where you're just like, did they just do that? Like, I miss those moments. <laughs> like, did he just say what? 
But yeah, I was hoping. I was was really hoping for like towards the end, like a big like. I don't know what, because all we saw like really was Dean like kind of just like wake up from like getting more blood and saw he was Dean. I was just, I what you guys been saying, like hoping for something like more. Like, yeah, it was what, anti- it was anticlimactic. It was very anticlimactic. Yeah, it was it was just like okay here. And I, yeah, for me the only one the only one that it made sense with was Sam when he tells Cass, you know, I'm gonna go get him some food, and then I'm gonna go and pack and get drunk. And he's I was really thankful for like, that. <laughs> yeah, I felt like his exhaustion through it. I really did, and so that was that was great. However, yeah. I also have to question, like. Oh, seriously, Castiel, you had one job. Sam told you, watch him till I get back. Not that, not talk to him for two minutes and then leave. You had one job. I, I, I don't understand that. <laughs> Very troubling to me. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will admit, I kind of liked it how Dean, like, not that Dean didn't feel bad, but they acknowledged it that Dean like kind of realized like kind of what has happened. Like it didn't just like kind of like cut in yeah. a way. Like like Dean like literally felt bad. He was like so Sam left, and Cass was like, no, he just wants to go get you food. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling that we're gonna the you know the ramifications of Dean and Dean you know are going to be felt throughout the whole season. I I think that yeah. you know Dean's going to feel guilty about everything, and then you know we still got the Mark of Cain to deal with, which is going to be there yeah. causing problems. And so yeah, there's there's you know Dean's still got a lot ahead of him. Yeah, he did not yeah. look well at all. Like like he yeah. just didn't look like Dean. He just looks like broken. And I, I saw a lot of people being upset that the, the demon arc it was so short and that it, it takes away the storyline from, from from Dean. And I disagree because yeah. I don't think he has to be not Dean to have a storyline, first of all. And also, you know, he can't – the show is structured to where you – you can't really have Sam and Dean apart for more than like one and maybe three quarters of an episode before what you're watching loses momentum. You know, we discussed in episode two that some of the best parts were when either Sam and Dean were together or talking about each other actively. Mm-hmm. So the, the show suffers without that. And if you have Dean be the kind of demon that they structured him as, as opposed to Solar Sam, who is structured completely differently, the, the the dynamic of the show and the structure of the show suffers too greatly. But he still has the mark, and he still has to deal with everything that he said and thought and felt, and they still have to deal with where they were last season with each other. And that's I don't feel like any of that's really closed up. And I'm kind of excited, too, because, like, when Dean went to purgatory, he was doing it on his own. Sam really didn't know anything about it. Sam was physically there. He witnessed it. Like, so, like, Dean's not going to be able to escape and be like, oh, like, shove it off or whatever. Right. Right, Like, eventually right, they'll have yeah. to talk about it. And Sam also did his own bad things during the time. So, you know, they have, yeah. they, they, you know, have a lot to talk about and deal with. And, yeah, Sam basically, you know, using people as bait for 
crossroads demon, that's a pretty bad thing. And 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 some know, people always argue like that's it, that's all Sam did. Like I do, I do worse things before breakfast. And I think what Sam did and what the way Dean is pointing it out to him as a demon, it's not just the action. It's it's what's buried beneath that. It's it was such a predator he, thing that Sam did. He he stood yeah, he there had in no, the bar. Yeah. Yeah, no, no and, care was, at all for the for the person. No, and he yeah, stalked. He basically stalked a prey. He found a, he basically found a weak animal and put it in front of a bear. Oh, at least he did, like it's not like he killed a child. I'm like that's that's not Sam at all. Sam thinks like what he does because even if like let's say um, the demon got away, or Sam got the demon and the guy got away. Um, that guy still has knowledge about demons. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, and, you know, and, and he can tell he someone can, about he, them. And eventually he they'll could go and they'll really how to find how to, I'm sure he would find someone if that guy was so determined to get the deal that Sam promised him that a deal could happen. He would find a way to get get back, get, get, um, um, summon a crossroads demon. Exactly. Really even if him. even if Sam would have been able to stop him, because you know he did try to stop him once he was making did the he deal really? With the team. Did he really? Well, you know, after, it was very much know, a he, no. He, please I, wait, don't. Oh man. <laughs> 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 even if, but even if he had stopped him, Lester would definitely have went and called on another demon. He would have. He would have exactly. figured it. He would. He would have done it. He knew he had the knowledge. He had the book. And he I knew would, how to do it. And he wanted his wife dead. Yeah, my only question about that, to be honest, is here's the thing. I don't know how drunk I would have to be in a bar for this <laughs> giant man with a broken arm to come and talk to me about demons and me follow him into the woods. No, 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 no. So there's a lot of, of suspension of disbelief that I can go with, and maybe that comes from being a woman. That you know you don't leave the bar with a strange man, and especially walking in the woods. But wh- why? Why would you even entertain his his craziness? Because if you don't know demons exist, Sam Winchester sounds crazy. There True. are maybe, you know, there are lots of crazy people in the world. Maybe less you know Lester did want his wife dead instead of you know just divorcing her like normal people do. He wanted her dead, so he was already crazy. All right. Yeah, and oh, I yeah. think you know, having giving Sam, you know, having Demon Dean give Sam the knowledge that not only is Lester already dead, but that full circle, Dean is the one who killed him, and so that's mm-hmm. something that whether they actually deal with or not, like it's kind of weird. You're like, you guys killed a man together. Good job, guys. Way to get in there. Not only did they kill him, but they sent his soul to hell. Yeah, yeah, like they they killed together. They killed and damned a man, to, and it's that's intense. And so, ooh, when, ooh, like I said, ooh, ooh. we're like, that's not what, 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 what? Like, <laughs> what if? Okay, Lester becomes a demon. You know, what if we see a Lester demon? You know, later on now, <laughs> you know, because you know he's gone to hell. We may see a Lester he's demon. A really later lame on. demon though. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like middle management lame demon from last season. We're like, dude. <laughs> um, that's funny. Uh, Someone will be like, trying oh, to make and I had another... I'll be like, um, I'm sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> I 
I had another kind of nitpicky thing, and my actually my mother's nitpicky thing, and I had to tell her. I was like, you know, you actually need to take that up with with director Ackles, uh, with Action Ackles, because her issue was Hannah's uh, wounds. Like, why was Hannah so wounded, and why wasn't Hannah self healing? Uh, being that she's not, she is at full power. I was so, wondering that too. Yeah, and I kind of was wondering if I was letting it go, and then she said it, and I was like, "You need to set up with with Director Ackles," and she was like, "Fine." <laughs> and um, I think it's one of those things that you know you don't necessarily. I think that what's going on with the Angels right now is so muddy that I really think that they I mean, they need to really tighten up what Angels can and can't do right now because it's all way too. Yeah, it's all over the place, and I get why Cass can't fly, and I get why they couldn't fly last season, but I can't figure out why they can't fly this season. And it's they really they yeah. really need to clean up their own lore on this one. They really, really do. I am I am enjoying the Angel storyline so far this season. What little we've gotten, I'm enjoying it. But like, I am very confused about lots of things, and I you know is Adam Glass or Jim Michaels or. Somebody could, you know, maybe just tweet out, okay, here's the angel rules. <laughs> here's the status of angel yeah. powers. We need a tablet of angel rules. <laughs> yeah, because you, it, you can't tell me that the reason angels couldn't, you know, couldn't fly and couldn't, uh, what's the word I want? Teleport. I understand. Uh, yeah. It's because heaven is closed and then come and tell me, that the the angels are coming and going as they please because heaven is open. Then the, why are we relying on maps? And is it because, is there a reason, or is it like I've said before? I think that supernatural suffers often from I don't want to let the joke go. So if the angels can fly, then you don't get the joke of Cass's car. You don't get the joke of Hannah being completely baffled by maps and calling them primitive, which is it's a nice meta line because for us maps are primitive because we now live in an age where we just type in something into a GPS and it tells us where to go. So for, you know, for us, we consider maps primitive. And so for her to call them primitive was, like I said, I really enjoyed the dialogue of the episode, but I don't feel like it necessarily always made sense. I, I understand I mean, I that. Oh, sorry. I understand wings were burned off during the fall. Yes, I get that. But, you know, now that they can, you know, they they got, I would think they have, you know, their majority of their powers back and, you know, so shouldn't they heal? Shouldn't the wings or yeah, whatever? Are you telling just, me, like, if it's because their wings burned off, are you telling me the angels will never fly again? Right, right. Like, exactly. I, need, sure. I, need them, I need them to tighten up their own canon for me because if not, I just, it takes me out of the story to try to figure out the story. Since angels... Since angels can heal, and not only can angels' bodies heal, but we know their clothing can heal too. Mm-hmm. You know, their clothes. Because uh, uh, Misha Collins himself has talked about how he'd like to have the power to, you know, to mend clothing like you know um, Castiel has. So you know, if they have the power to mend their own clothing, you know, surely to goodness that means they also have the power to grow their wings back. So I'm very, very confused. I'm super confused. Um, my other, like, my other really bizarre nitpicky thing is, 
Um, and I had this issue last episode with the the lonely girl scene. Um, mm-hmm. And I have it again is when you have actors that are so good at who they're portraying, you know, Jared and Jensen, and that you can see the difference between Sam and Jared and Jensen and Dean. So when Sam's going through the pictures, for me, those are very clearly not pictures of Sam and Dean. Those are pictures of Jared and Jensen. And I felt the same way with, with the picture of Crowley yeah. and Dean. I'm like, no, that's Mark and Jensen. <laughs> that is not Dean. One of those was a promo pic. I am. I, yeah. One was. And one was from the. What was the behind the scenes? I'm like, um, guys. Yeah, behind the scenes, set in the water. I was like, this is. I can't. I can't relate to this. This is pictures of them on set. <laughs> yeah. Right. Really, I know. They're looking at a laptop. We've all seen this picture. They're laughing at something <laughs> on a computer. You just cut the computer off of the picture. <laughs> uh, well, and, not, and again, not only that. Like you know, we're in fandom, and so we know we're we're you know hyper aware of these kind of things. But for me, it was literally, I don't feel like Sam and and Jared and Jensen, indeed, they resemble each other, but they don't actually look alike for me. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. So, it, it was, uh, yeah, that was, mm-hmm. uh, it, but, that you know, was, I, 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 that was I did love, <laughs> the, the I don't know, yeah. Choice that was. The promo picture they used with Bobby with Jim Beaver, I was so glad to see that though. One, you know, yeah. I love her. Um, but two, that's one of my all-time favorite pictures. So I was like, hey, it's my favorite picture. Hey, you know. So um, no, I and I love, I love the it. pictures they had. I love the pictures they had that Dean had. I like that it was literally, you know, Dean is very prone to calling everybody that he sees from you know more than twice that doesn't die, family. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see what I consider to be their family. And I know that that opinion differs depending on the person, and that's fine. But for me, their family is Sam, Dean, John, Mary, Bobby. That's mm-hmm. that's family. Everybody else is like, you know, fourth cousins. Like, yes, you're family, but like, we remember that you're there. The, like a secondary, this is who you. This is who you invite to Thanksgiving. Everybody else is who you last minute remember to invite to your wedding. Does that make sense? Right, right, right. And so, yeah. So I, I did like that. Um, I really, really liked uh, the what I'll call the chase, but or the stalking. Yeah, when when Dean gets free, I thought that was fantastic. And the pacing was good; it wasn't drawn out. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. There was that. That had a good amount of tension in it. Yeah, there was no tension in the in the actual cure at the end. There was no tension in the last eight minutes of the episode, none whatsoever. But there was tension in that. And you could you could see how scared Sam was. Sam was actually scared. And you don't see Sam, Sam actually scared that often, but he was scared there. And I thought it was Jared and Jensen did a phenomenal job. And the directing Jensen did on those scenes because, you know, they don't, the actual studio, you know, where they film the bunker only has basically one hall. And yes, so, you know, the training they, and, and so, you know, they have the way, you know, he used the camera and changed the walls and the angles to make it look like they're actually, you know, going around through a 
the whole lot of area was awesome. Yeah, because it didn't feel feel like you were going in a circle. It felt like you were going Mm -mm. through corridor after corridor after corridor. Um, And that could have easily felt like you were just running in a circle, and and it didn't. He did a fantastic job with that. I did uh, know real that. quick, um, <laughs> um, Travis Wade tweeted um, to us that thanked us, and he wanted to let everybody know that Arm the Animals is giving a discount to Supernatural fans. So if you go to armtheanimals.com and um, do some shopping for their cool animal T-shirts, use code hashtag SPNFAM, Supernatural Fam, SPNFAM, and you get a discount. So Supernatural fans, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Travis. I will be doing some shopping this weekend for sure. <laughs> As well will I. Um, while we're still live, because we've got about 10 minutes still live, I wanted to mm-hmm. mention um, we've still got our auctions going for Team Levi. want to check those out. Um, our eBay name um, is... Um, Winchester Bros. Com. So if you want to check us out, the links are always on our Twitter, Facebook, and website page. Uh, we've got some really cool stuff. Right now we've got, you know, this, the life-size, well, almost life-size stand-ups of Jared and Jensen signed. Like Jared, I think, is so cool. It's Not only is it signed by Jared, who's, he signed his watch, um, but Osric signed the shoulder. You know, because that's where Osric injured him at. And he said, sorry, and he signed the shoulder. Um, Tom O'Penniket signed it. Adam Rose signed it. And Mark Shepard signed the crotch, <laughs> as you do. And um, then Jensen is signed uh, by Jensen, uh, Osric, Tom O'Penniket, Adam Rose, and, again, Mark Shepard signed Jensen's crotch. So those are just two of the really cool um, things we have for auction on eBay right now going to Team Levi and the Down Syndrome Guild of Dallas. And then also if you were um, with everybody on Twitter, has to follow Jensen. If you're on, if you're a Supernatural fan, of course you're following Jensen on Twitter. Um, this week when he was live tweeting the episode, he tweeted a picture of himself wearing a picture, uh, wearing a T-shirt that Vinny and I gave him. Uh, back in August, and we gave Sam, Jared, and Cliff each one of those shirts. It's the shirt that um, the amazing Freakster designed. She's awesome. Follow her on Twitter. Um, she designed the shirt exclusively for us. We sold it. We gave them each uh, one of the shirts, and now we're selling them again since um, Jensen wore it and everybody wanted one. So if you go to teespring.com slash Winchester Bros 2, the number 2, you can buy your own. It's only available for 12 more days, and then that'll be it. And we had closed it previously. You know, it hadn't been for sale for uh, quite a while until Jensen wore it and everybody wanted one, so we got a little real film. That was well, it was cool. fun as I have a lot, you know, we have friends who got the shirt the first run we did with it, did with it, and they were, some of them were wearing it while they were watching the show, so I had a bunch of people text me and tell me, oh my God, I'm wearing the shirt that Jensen's wearing. I'm like, yes, you are. <laughs> and uh, my friend Eileen was like, I'm wearing that hoodie right now. <laughs> so, that was, I thought that was really, like, you know, how often, uh, how often are you dressed like Jensen Ackles? 
Right, right. Now's your chance. <laughs> um, so, oh, 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 and uh, we just started this evening. We haven't really talked about it much. Um, we've got a T-shirt design contest going with Tea Public. Uh, if you go to our website, uh, winchesterbrothers.com, on the main page, you've got more information. But basically, if you're an, a, a fan artist, you know, if you're any kind of artist, you make supernatural T-shirt designs. Um, we have a contest for you. Um, you go to the link that we have for you on our website, and it shows you where to go. Upload your design, hashtag it Winchester Bros for Life, and you're entered in the contest. Um, if your T-shirt design is chosen, your your shirt will be promoted on tpublic.com. You'll get a commission from every shirt sold, and you will also be able to get a free T-shirt of your design. So it's a really cool contest. Yes. I remember the last thing I was going to say, and while we've got a few more minutes live, when um, when they are chasing each other and Sam finally comes up with Dean, Dean wedges the hammer in the wall, uh, and Sam puts the blade to Dean's throat, and Dean is taunting him and telling him, you know, do it. And he lets go of the hammer, the handle of the hammer, like whatever. like. And we know that he's human enough to walk out of the devil's trap I question what did Dean think that he would still heal, that he was still invincible, or was he giving up? Like, I'm not sure. I think that's, I thought, I think that's really strange. I took it to where he didn't. He knew Sam wouldn't do it, and he was just taunting him. Well, yeah, no. The taunt was that the taunt was that he that he felt Sam wouldn't do it, and he wanted to watch Sam struggle with that. I think, but what if Sam had? Yeah, I think they both knew he wouldn't do it. Um. It was different than the clip, you know, that they showed at Comic-Con and was shown in all the shows. His eyes didn't flash. His eyes didn't. Yeah, I was waiting for his eyes to flash black. I was like, whoa, wait, you know, that didn't happen. I like, <laughs> it. I like it so much better without the without the flash. I like it with his with his, his human eyes um, versus the black eyes in that moment because it makes it so much creepier when he lays his chin on the on the blade after he's going to do it and kind of like messes oh, his yeah. neck against it. It's so much creepier without the black eyes. <laughs> so I, I really love what a... Justin did with the character because I was telling my friend, I was like, dude, it looks like a snake. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, he does something with his tongue and it reminds me of a snake. No, the There's whole no, I thing about when he does it, he does it with his tongue and he does it again when he t- in episode two where he tells him, I'm going to rip his throat out with my teeth. teeth. He does it again yeah. with his tongue. And then the way that he puts his head on the the knife, it's very serpentine. It's very it remind again. This is me. I'm always gonna do this. It reminds me of Drusilla, <laughs> where it's just this very, you know, like I said, serpentine, yeah. reptilian kind of way of being. I'm so I'm glad you understood that. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I agree. I I thought the same thing. I thought that was a really cool move. Now I think is that is it written like that or do the actors choose to do that? Do you guys know or, or is it that varies? Like, 
It varies. It varies. Yeah, that would be, I would imagine in this case, it was something that Jensen opted to do, considering yeah. this is the first episode where he was You're playing right. Demon Dean, and plus he directed it, and he's, yeah. he's talked about, you know, having to develop how he was going to play Demon Dean. So I think, I really do think that that, now my question would be was, how conscious was he of doing it in that particular way, or was it just, you know, did it just happen to manifest in that way? Or did, you know, that would be my actual question for him. But he's not listening, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm never going to know the answer. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> If anybody is at Chicago Con and is listening and plans Susan. to get in line and doesn't have a channel listening to us right now. Oh, yeah. Text and plans to get in line for uh, a question and wants to use that question instead of whatever else they were going to ask that they wanted to ask that they want to know, feel free <laughs> to find out what I want to know. <laughs> much appreciated. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna text her right now. When we when we uh, when we get off, I'm gonna text her. And be like, hey, <laughs> do me a solid. <laughs> um, we've got about two minutes more of being live. Um, want to go ahead and play us out? Yeah, uh, sure. I want to uh, thank thank you know Travis Wade again for being an awesome awesome guest. He was. You know, told us, you know, he only had about 20 minutes or so, and he ended up staying for an hour. He's amazing. Learned a lot about him. Had a really good time talking to him. Um, Love this week's episode. Um, Looking forward to next week. You know, we've got Sam and Dean in a different costume than an FBI costume. Very much looking forward to that. Not the FBI suit. Mm Woohoo! And... um, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Amanda, for calling. We always have a good time Thank talking you. to you. Since we, don't, we don't get to see you at cons very often. So I know. Good talking to you. I love, I love talking to you guys. I'm like, Sam, 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 Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Oh, that's cool.